When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the IDP Show. I'm your host, Josh Raymer, joined in the Soul Shack this afternoon. On my right, Adam Markham. Addy, how are you, hon? Doing well, Josh. Always weird to do these uh, lunchtime episodes. I, I know. But uh, we're going to be okay, you know? Water's good. Water is good. Water's good to have with the soda every once in a while. That's so. right. Professional attire coming over from the That's office. Right. There's like daylight outside. Yeah. Yeah, feeling good. Feeling the, really the good. The energy is still it's still high. It's still highly sure. sexual. And it's uh, we're ready yeah. to rock and roll. Very aroused. Very aroused. And speaking of aroused, we are incredibly excited to have joining us. You know him from IDP Guys and DLF. It is Jace Abbey. Jace, how are you, my friend? I am great. Thanks, Josh. It's really uh, it's really cool to be on. Um sorry to uh, to force you guys into a uh, a midday uh, pod session, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm selfish enough to be six hours ahead of you guys. It actually makes a nice change not to uh, have to set the alarm for sort of one, two in the morning to record this. So uh, yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate it. But yeah, really cool to be here with you guys. Big fan of your show for some time now. Um, you guys do uh, do great work and um, I'm just really excited to talk about defense. Well, we're excited to have you on. Of course, uh, if folks haven't checked it out, you were on with John Macri earlier this season on the Big Nickel IDP podcast, and we're excited to have you on today. The season is ramping up. You can feel the energy. We're coming to the start of the third week of the NFL preseason, and then the regular season is right around the corner. We're starting to get some news trickling out. Uh, Teams are making roster decisions. Guys are being moved to the pup list. Guys are being cut. There's trades happening. A lot of stuff is going down. Football is in the air, Addy. And uh, we're excited. We're, We're ramping up on the back end, getting ready for a really cool 2022 season. Oh, yeah, baby. It's finally here. It's finally here. We can stop talking about what we think is going to happen or mm-hmm. what has happened and just react to some football here. Yeah, maybe soon. we won't get as many threads about who we need to draft That's and right. in our leagues. Maybe thread season will finally come to an end. I hope so. That Good God. Twitter's a cesspool right now. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, so it'll be nice to uh, have some football to react to and some actual games to watch. That's what's fun about getting to talk IDP. But... As we conclude the offseason here, Jace, we are having you on to wrap up our divisional preview series. And today we are talking with you about the NFC West and the NFC East. And then in the second half of the episode, Bobo will be joining us to talk with Trip about the AFC West and the AFC East. So similar to our previous preview episode, 
that featured Bobby and Evan and Alex Caruso and Drew Dodson. We are looking at two players from each team. We're going to be touching on either a sleeper, a breakout, a bust, or a stud. And uh, we're going to give you guys, what, 16 players per segment? So 32 players. Jace, if nothing else, the listeners are going to come away hearing a lot of names on this episode. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the NFC East and, and West, they're, they're two pretty cool divisions. There's a lot of um, big names and a lot of emerging players as well. So, um, you know, we'll get into all of that. But, um, yeah, pretty. I feel pretty lucky to have got, uh, got the NFC East and West. I mean, it's all good. Every division's got uh, got those players. But, yeah, especially these these two. Some pretty cool stuff going on. Absolutely. I look through the list of names here. We've got these guys numbered out. And um, sometimes we have to squint a little bit with some of these teams to find guys that are really getting our juices going. But, yeah, NFC West, NFC East, a lot of IDP-relevant pieces to talk about. So let's jump into it. Let's not delay any further here, Jace, and we're going to kick things off with the Dallas Cowboys. And the first player that we are talking about is the one and only Demarcus Lawrence. Now, if you were to look at his total points scored, if you sort by that, um, any kind of stats when you're drafting on like sleeper, for example, Lawrence probably is not going to show up very high. He only played seven games last season. But when he played, the man was absolutely dynamite, averaging 16.3 points per game by big three scoring, graded beautifully across the board uh, for PFF, 91 overall defensive grade. And in the playoffs, except for the championship game, he was on an absolute tear. Addy, I know you are a huge Demarcus Lawrence fan, and this guy, I think even in redraft, is still a nice discount for how prolific he can be. It's a dumb discount, dude. I love Demarcus Lawrence. He's still elite. I mean, yeah, but this guy, I'm looking at the best balls we've done. He's gone uh, DL23, DL25, DL27, DL22, DL28. So, bro, I mean... That's insane. That's a top twelve guy that you're getting sometimes in DL three territory, and it's the uh, it's the vet thing again, right? It's he's like a, he's almost what thirty years old, so he falls in that same camp as like Chandler Jones, Khalil Mack. I don't know. People are just maybe bored with these guys, but um, still elite, still can bring it. I mean, again, we've talked about grown ass, you know, being a grown ass man in, in that age range that these guys are all kind of at uh, that I just mentioned. I mean. You, you're you're still gonna be elite fantasy wise. It doesn't, you know, he, he's not gonna fall off until he's probably thirty three, thirty four. So I feel good about Demarcus Lawrence. Absolutely, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Jace. I know you've been doing some mock drafts as well. Have you been seeing a discount on Demarcus Lawrence for IDP? Yeah, it's exactly like you say. Um, he's he's that forgotten man because he's uh, he's he's approaching that uh, that thirty like the age thirty season, and uh, you know he's. Um, He's, he's still still very good. I think it's a great call. Um, he's always been productive uh, whenever he's been healthy. And as you say, he, he kind of contributes in, in multiple ways, right? He's not just a pass rusher. Um, and that helps him stay on the field and leads to, you know, increased opportunities for him to earn more points for as fantasy managers. Um, his pressure rate always compares favorably with, uh, with others. Um, and I think um, one of the things I picked out, he sounds really motivated, Um this will, this, will, this will be a bit cliche overload, but he's talking recently about how Parsons showed him up last year and 
how he wants to reclaim the crown as the uh, you know the uh, the slack leader for the Cowboys in in 2022. Uh, but that wasn't sort of cliche. He was talking about how he's in the best shape. He's actually it is cliche, isn't it? He's talking about how he's in the best shape uh, of his career. How he's really focused this year on getting himself into uh, into shape and looking after his body. Um, you know. It's better than hearing about injuries, right? Lingering injuries, nagging injuries that are carrying over from the season before. So, yeah, still elite, healthy, motivated. Could be a big year. Eddie, just once, I want someone to say, I'm in the worst shape of my life. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm really fat. I ate way too much. I got paid. I'm, yeah. I'm in cruise control now. Absolutely. Not taking care of my body. Told my trainer to take a vacation. Yeah. But, I mean, Demarcus Lawrence, I think at this point, he's someone that we can trust. You know, when he says something like that, I, I believe him. That's right. You know, he's produced. He's done it. I mean, if I mean, that's a good team. I mean, that's a that's. I would think he's motivated. You know, um, yeah. I like. I love Demarcus Lawrence, man. What a what a value. And also, I mean, he's the reason why you don't have to load up on edge early. I mean, that's that's, a, right. that's a popular narrative. But I mean, again, there are just tremendous values um, late in your drafts. Absolutely. Now, the flip side of this coin, obviously, with this. Uh, Dallas Cowboys edge rushing group is if Demarcus Lawrence is a value, we have to ask the question, do we think the quasi edge rusher linebacker Micah Parsons is, where does he fall in these four categories? And it may be a bit of a hot take, maybe not if you've been listening to folks like John Macri, but we are labeling Micah Parsons as a bust. And the important note here, gentlemen, is that he is a bust at cost. Now, if you listen to the last episode of the Big Nickel, or actually, it was PFF. Our boy John Macri got called up to the big leagues for the PFF Fantasy Forecast with N. Harditz and Dwayne McFarlane. Check that out if you have not yet. Very excited for John to be featured over there on one of PFF's main flagship podcasts. But he laid out the case beautifully for why Micah Parsons is bound to regress especially in the sack department. He was a huge overachiever for being a part-time edge rusher and the tackle efficiency down around 8%. The average for linebackers, off-ball linebackers, is about 12.5. So not only is he down there in terms of tackle efficiency, his sacks are bound to regress for how few edge rush snaps he played. Jace, are you, where are you on Micah Parsons right now? Are you fading him a little bit or... Are you not taking him for where he is going in your startup drafts? Well, first things first, your your popularity level amongst uh, Cowboys fans and uh, any fantasy managers who roster Parsons just plummeted, didn't it? They, they're literally turning off right now. Um, no, this isn't a bad call, right? I'm, uh, it feels a little weird to, uh, to name one of the most talented players at his position um, as a bust. But yeah, looking at his ADP, it's gone through the roof. Um, he was the LB1. Uh, in uh, most of the mocks I was doing around uh, July time. Um, so sort of three or four rounds actually ahead of some of the other elite options um, out of position. So yeah, I mean, that's all big play formats. I'm, I'm still all over Parsons. Um, I do like how the, the personnel changes have kind of played into potentially keeping him um, in, a, in a similar role to the one he had last year. Um, you know, the arrival of uh, Anthony Barr, um, uh, the departure of Gregory, I guess, are the two two biggest um, sort of personnel changes that could affect what Parsons does and how he's used going forward. So I think that plays well. If Parsons did well in your league last year, I think he might. Well, he's obviously going to do well again this year. 
Um, but yeah, like you say, there's a lot there for him to, it's, it's quite big for him to try, try and live up to what he achieved last year. He set the bar really high and the likelihood is that he probably, probably won't do quite as well this year, but I'm still excited about him. As I say, best ball, big play formats. He's my LB1. Yeah, I don't think, Addy, this is any slander toward Micah Parsons. He's one of the most exciting, dynamic, young players in the entire league, not just on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, best ball formats, Jay said it well. We're doing an LB only best ball draft right now. Micah Parsons went as the 101. Yeah. So in that format, it makes sense, especially when you can just cash in on his weeks where he does get two or three sacks. Yeah. But – in terms of that week-to-week consistency, like Jay said, he just set such a high bar that if you're banking on taking him that high in a startup, you're banking on him being the outlier in terms of regression. Yeah, right. The problem with Micah Parsons is like when you're when you have your offense plus IDP league, you know, IDP, uh, you're playing with offense and IDPs. In IDP only, when those best balls we've been doing, I love Micah Parsons. You know, just because I mean. The problem with Micah Parsons is, is how early he's going, uh, you know, compared to uh, offensive players and stuff, yep. right? Like that's 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 what makes him, you know, that's what makes him a void for me. But I mean, as far as like, God, if there's somebody I want on my team, like I want Micah Parsons. Like Micah Parsons is a cheat code. Micah Parsons has. Um, I think just really scratching the surface of what he can do. I mean, is he gonna is he gonna uh, convert on all those sacks like he did last year? Probably not. But I mean, with him having a low tackle efficiency, efficiency, I feel like that could those tackle numbers should go up. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm fine with Michael Parsons. I don't like having him as you know the first IDP off the board. But I mean, I don't have a problem with him as like one or two. I think Honestly. that, yeah, the, the problem here, and we're trying to speak in that sort of broader context of like startup drafts that are offense and IDP. That's where he's a problem. It's not necessarily the order because he very much deserves to be first or second off the board along with TJ Watt. Yeah. It's just a matter of the tier at which he's going in terms of the offensive players that he's, are around him. He's like in the, you got to take him like, you know, a fourth or fifth round pick. To and take that's him. just too high. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I want to build my team a different, I want to get the offense figured out first. We preach mm-hmm. this all the time. Um, I just don't want to have to, I, just, I don't want to hit defense that early. You know, that's why we do the show. Um, so you can find those late round values and stuff. There's just, that's just not the way we build our teams. Um, yeah. But I mean, IDP only, Michael Parsons, give me all of it. I, I love it. Yeah, Jace, it seems like IDP only, especially best ball, Micah Parsons has a case to be the 101 off the board. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you, you, you nailed it, Addy. I mean, he's uh, in, in combined offense and defensive drafts. Um, again, looking back to the uh, the uh, the mocks I was doing, uh, what was taking part in in July, he's, he's being taken um, around the same point as uh, Rashad Bateman. Um, uh, not that far behind Chris Godwin, I'd... Unless I'm in in leagues that that really um, um, uh, sort of favour linebackers um, in terms of scoring, I'd, I'd I'd take those receivers over over Parsons all day long. But yeah, it's it's tough, isn't it? It's because uh, he's so good. But as I say, that bar's been set so high. I'm expecting some sort of drop off. He's he's yeah he's he's a unicorn. I mean he's he's kind of like. Um... Kind of like a supercharged Khalil Mack, yep. you know. I mean, because he he has a chance to get a hundred tackles and ten sacks. Like there, that he is like one of one, you know. So 
Uh, I'm going to try and roster guys like that. But yeah, I mean, when you when you bring in offense into the equation, no, we're gonna we're gonna be patient. We're gonna we're gonna get the value where we can. And Micah Parsons, unfortunately, is no longer a value. Yeah, don't hear what we're not saying. We love uh, Micah Parsons. Yeah, dude. Dallas Cowboys fans, Micah Parsons <laughs> is amazing. He is a guy you want to have on your team, but at cost. Uh, there probably is going to be a little bit of buyer's remorse. Let's move on to one of the NFC West teams, and we are starting in the Bay Area, Jace. Who is your first player that we want to talk about? So my first guy is Dre Greenlaw. Um, and it feels a little wrong to, uh, to talk about him as a, uh, you know, as a sleeper. He's been around for, for some time now. He's heading into his, uh, his fourth year. Um, and when, when he's healthy, he's had a, you know, a, a sizable role. Um, the reason I have him as a, as a sleeper is really that he's just been sort of criminally undervalued right now. I think um, when in, the, in those mocks that I keep referring to, he, um, he was going as the LB41. Um, so that's after the likes of uh, Camus Brugier-Hill, um, Kenneth Murray, ugh, um, Zach Cunningham. Uh, I mean, I'm all over Greenlaw at that value, and I'd, I'd actually feel a bit smug about, about taking him there too. So, you know, obviously he missed a massive chunk of, uh, of last year with the, uh, with the groin injury, um, and the absence is, is probably the only possible uh, or justifiable reason as to why he seems to have been forgotten. Um, the 49ers... Uh, they led their two linebacker uh, sets um, higher than, than most teams in the NFL, and I expect that to uh, to continue under uh, Miko Ryan as he moves into year two as the, uh, the defensive coordinator over there. So, uh, yeah, the big question, I guess, um, and it's, it's unresolved for some people, is is will Greenlaw uh, reprise his role from uh, Aziz Al Shair? Um, you know, Al Shair did really well last year, 111 tackles. Uh, in just 13 games, um, you know, he was really productive and made a lot of fantasy managers very happy who'd got him up the waiver wire. But I think um, we start to see this as Greenlaw made his way back towards the very end of the uh, the year. Um, he did; he was the favorite linebacker there uh, when uh, when healthy, and even in fact when he wasn't completely healthy. So yeah, i I think um, I think Greenlaw is the man to own there. I think he's a, a great value right now, um, and. Going back to those cliches, he seems really happy with uh, with what uh, with what D'Amico Ryan's has planned for him. He's talking about his his comfort level in the uh, in the defense, um, what he's been asked to do, etc. So, yeah, it's going to be Greenlaw and Warner, in my opinion, um, as the every down linebackers over there. Al Shire moving into uh, sort of a part time role again. Yeah, go pick him up. I think he's um, I think he's a really a really good uh, really good guy to be picking up at this point. LB forty one. What's your take? I mean, LB41, Addy, especially around some of those names that we're mentioning here, Camu Grigier-Hill, Kenneth Murray. Yeah. Give me all the Dre Greenlaw. It seems like there's a little bit of reciprocity bias happening here where we loved what Al Shair did for us. We're like, all right, this guy really came through. I think he was uh, IDP MVP for one of our contributors last season on that episode. So we feel almost obligated to then take him again, or we just forget that he was filling in for an injured Dre Greenlaw. And if you're paying attention, what's happening in San Francisco, they're telegraphing to us that it is going to be Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, Al Shair, great injury replacement type of guy. But I'm with Jace that uh, give me all the Dre Greenlaw, especially at that price. Yeah, Dre Greenlaw is actually good. Um, I've been doing some digging just 
looking at like old college stats for a lot of these linebackers, Dre Greenlaw uh, was productive like ex- his freshman year. It looks like he had 95 total tackles his freshman year. Um, he ended up with 321 total tackles um, in college, and that's like there's not a lot of guys that that hit the 300. So, um, yeah, I mean, I I think I think Greenlaw is is the second best linebacker there. I do have some pause though. I mean, there is Aziz Alshier there. I mean, he he was solid last year. Um, if Greenlaw slips up at all, I mean, we know kind of the culture of that team. Like, they're not afraid to like just yank somebody and and replace them. Um, you could easily see that happening if if Greenlaw slips up. So, I mean, I like Greenlaw, but I like some other linebackers kind of in his range. I prefer to draft like a Josie Jewell, someone that I know that is going to be the LB one to start. Um, but yeah, I like Greenlaw. I'm just not going to have him on a lot of my teams, right? I, I, they're just other linebackers in that range. I like a lot more, uh, David Long's Matt Milano's. Those guys are always slept on too. Like I prefer that route just because they have less competition. I, I, again, I do think Greenlaw is the second best linebacker there, but Aziz had a solid year. He is there. Eh, I, I don't like any risk. I don't like any risk at all. You know? Yeah, that's a great point, and I will say I don't want it to be misinterpreted that our affection and sunny outlook for Dre Greenlaw is a negative outlook for Aziz Alshair. He's a guy that I find myself targeting a lot in these IDP-only yeah. best balls. He's he an even better value. Yeah, exactly. You can get him. I mean, I'm getting him like in the 20th-plus round of yeah. IDP-only best balls. So, And that's the thing because Fred Warner is – undeniably the one. Yes. So there's going to be two guys fighting over that second linebacker spot. I'm not going to be targeting that guy in my drafts. Just again, like I said, they're just other guys that I like more that are more safe. Don't have to worry about a third guy. So Mm -hmm. whether it is Dre Greenlaw or Aziz Al-Shair that you want to target at their current cost, there is I think some meat on the bone there in yeah. San Francisco. Def- definite upside picks. Yes, exactly. Depending on your risk tolerance, we'll see if those guys end up on your rosters. But this next name, not just because it's a cool name, Jace, but because we do love the breakout potential of this next guy. Who's uh, up next on your list? Yeah. Uh, so breakout. Yeah. Salanoa Hosanga. Um, I mean, you know, he didn't set the world alight. Uh, in the limited opportunities he had last year, but that's that's not uh, that's, that's, it's not uh, it's not easy to do when you're only playing sort of 400 snaps, I think. So um, he was a bit up and down, as you imagine, uh, as you expect from a rookie, especially rookies taken in the fifth round, right? So, um, but yeah, there's this uh, this low level buzz about uh, about him in the sort of Twitterverse right now, and you you you've heard his name being thrown around, guys, right? So he's got the uh, you know you, as you mentioned, he's got the cool hair, he's got the cool name. Um, but I think it goes beyond some of that uh, service level stuff. Um, he's going as the safety 54 uh, around the same place as uh, Cameron Bynum. Uh, he's not even assured of a, a sort of a prominent role and guys like Julian Blackman. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the finger over those guys again all, all day long. Now, this, uh, this, this nomination isn't really a, a statement about, about the finger's ability level. Uh, it's more about just the opportunity that's been presented to him, I think, um, the departure of uh, Jaquiski Tart to the Eagles opens the door for, for many more snaps for Bufanga going into 2022. So I'm excited about that. Um, one thing I'm not hugely excited about is the is the idea that obviously the 49ers have 
continued this idea of a too, too high safety approach. So, you know, Fafanga is not going to be in the box a huge amount relative to you know, some of the others that we, um, that we, that we love at that safety position. But, you know, at that point in the draft, safety 54, we're, we're following snap volume um, rather than trying to tick off, uh, you know, or satisfy all the criteria for what we're looking for in a, uh, in a leading safety. So, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm buying a lot of uh, Ufanga um, at, uh, at, as a safe. What I think is a is a bargain, a bargain rate. Um, and um, did you guys see the the hit he put on uh, the Packers, uh, Tyler Goodson in the in the preseason game? Um, he can he can he can hit when he wants to. Um, it was pretty impressive. If you haven't watched it, if any listeners haven't seen it, go and look it up. It's pretty cool. There you go. We know he can lay the wood if need be, Addy. I think my only hesitation here with Hufanga is that. I personally fell into the trap of waiting for Jaquaski Tart to do something, mm-hmm. right? It's the it's the stick figure poking the thing with the stick and saying, do something meme, yeah. like in real life. And he just never did. But I think what's been eye-opening for me this offseason, seeing Tart go to Philadelphia, and I think there was some carryover belief that this is a good player who should help solidify that position for the Eagles. And now reports out of training camp that, Tart might not even make the roster for the Eagles. Maybe we were just betting on a bum horse yeah. in San Francisco with Chikwaski Tart, and we shouldn't necessarily assign that same kind of tepid expectation for Talanoa Hufanga. Yeah, it definitely could be the case. I mean, Tart just may not be that good. Um, I don't know, though. The, San Francisco just hasn't had a good safety or a really productive safety in a while, it seems. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... Hufanga, I mean, the, the ADP is crazy. He's such a value. I mean, people just, he's at the very end of, of your drafts. And all, and all those IDP-only best balls we're doing, dude, he's like he's like around 25 pick, Like, typically. that's the last round of the draft type I mean, he's pick. in that 24 to, yeah, 25 range, I'd say. So, yeah, I mean, so he's just free. And, and yeah, I think that um, nothing but upside. Is he gonna Is he going to be like a... A league winner for you? No, probably not. But he's just a nice, solid safety two, three. You know, I think he's he's not going to be maybe a, a starter for you, but he's a nice depth piece for your for your rosters. Um, looking at kind of how they've been using him so far, I've got his PFF stuff pulled up. Um, he has played two snaps on the line, four in the box, twelve at free safety, one in the slot. So I mean, that's he's okay. He's a deep safety he's, type. Yeah, primarily playing deep, but he is getting a few snaps in the box, few on the line. So. Um, we'll see how that usage goes. We'll, we'll we'll definitely be tracking that stuff. And I think yep. the point here, Jace, is not that this, like Adam said, is going to be a league winner, a top 12 safety, but can he emerge as one of those late dart throws who becomes a contributor for your IDP rosters? I think the answer is yes. Exactly, yeah. I mean, we, we know safety is a really flat position beyond um, the, the, the very small uh, group of, of players who we can fairly accurate, but it'll be one of, uh, you know, in the top 10 of the positions. So if I'm going to be targeting a, a position group that's really flat, um, a, a huge pool of players that could potentially do well, um, potentially sort of find their way into that sort of, uh, you know, maybe safety 15, safety sort of 20, 25 range, I'm going to I'm gonna be targeting the guys at the back end of the uh, of the ADP in that sense. So I think Lafango is one of those guys. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to take a gamble on him. Like you say, he's probably not going to um, uh, set the world alight, but um, he's, he's got every chance to to do as well as I think a lot of other stages that are being taken um, 
far far a lot earlier than him in the drafts. So. Yeah, it's like sometimes we're just looking for those dart throws that can become something. And Talanoa Hufanga has all the all the markings of a safety who could become something for your rosters, and we love that at the cost. Another player we love at cost, Jace, is Josh Sweat from the Philadelphia Eagles. Sweat was a player who got paid by Philadelphia somewhat surprisingly, and then we've seen a lot of turnover with this edge-rushing group. Uh, they bring back Derek Barnett on a pretty – Small contract. We've seen reports out of training camp. Brandon Graham is running with the twos. Is very happy about that. So we know the interior of this defensive line, Jace, we joked, is beefaroni with all of these humongous human beings that they have uh, taking up space here in the middle. So for where Josh Sweat is going, we talk about players who unquestionably have that role locked up. There is no question that Josh Sweat is the number one edge rusher for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just a matter of what does that look like? What are we willing to pay for that? And do we think that's actually uh, something that we should be seeking out for our IDP rosters? What say you? Yeah, I mean, Sweat's uh, really intrigued me. But, uh, you know, you have those, those, those one or two guys that for no good reason you just follow their careers really, really closely. Um, and uh, Sweat's that guy for me. He's he's always intrigued me. Uh, I think one of the first articles I wrote for IDP guys might have been about sort of Sweat as he was coming into the league, and um, I just really liked what I saw. Um, huge name in college, obviously. Um, also a massive shame he had those major injuries, but it just makes you sort of root for him. Um, uh, so you, everyone loves a bounce back uh, player, don't they? Someone that's uh, going to defy the odds and you know become uh, become what they should have been had they not have suffered a freak injury. So. Um, what puts me off with Sweat, obviously last year was a career for him, career year for him, but what, what puts me off a little bit is the um, is the sort of the mediocre pressure rate. So his, his career year came on the back of obviously increased volume um, and an excellent finishing rate, and that's somewhat of a, a red flag, a small one, but a bit of a red flag for me. Um, but hey, you know, as you say, it's about, it's about value. Um, he was the edge 49 in recent mocks um, behind... Guys like Danico Altry, um, Travis Gibson, I'm again um, take sweat over those those guys quite easily. Great value, really, for a you know 25 year old super athletic edge rusher, someone with a clear path to loads of snaps, and someone who has uh, looking at his PFF grades got better in each of his years in the league. So yeah, I I like sweat. I'm, I'm kind of cautiously optimistic about his uh, his, his outlook moving forward, but um, yeah, good good call. Yeah, Josh Sweat, Eddie, I'm just looking at the six completed best balls that we've done, IDP only. His highest was DL21, his lowest, DL50. Yeah, Most of the drafts, he's going in that 35 to 45 range. The DL21's insane. <laughs> it's a little but- high. That's a little rich. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking him there, but in those 35 to 45 right. range, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've never seen him go. Uh, I don't think I was in that best ball draft. <laughs> Um, that was actually your pick, Addy. No, okay, okay, that's right. That was auto pick. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Josh Sweat. I mean, he actually has uh, some help on the opposite edge now, you know, with, with Hassan Reddick there. Um, so that's nice. Who would you rather have, Hassan Reddick or Josh Sweat? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I mean, Sweat's definitely the better value. I think Reddick's yeah. probably in that 
DL 25 to 30 range, I would imagine. I'm probably going with Sweat at value, even though I do like Redick. Yeah, because, I mean, Redick is, I mean, I'm sorry, Sweat is 26. Mm-hmm. And then, if yeah, if you look at the profile, he had a 9.71 RAS score, ran a 4.53 40, um, 96 percentile speed score. Sweat's pretty good. We yes. probably haven't seen the best of him. Um, I think now's a, a pretty good, he's, again, nice upside play. You know, if you're waiting on waiting on uh, defensive line or, or edge, I mean, sweat is a really nice upside play. Yeah, I yeah, was gonna you, say you it. Sorry, Tom. Yeah, go ahead, Jace. I was just gonna say you, you nailed it there. We probably haven't seen the best of them. You know, he's shown this ability to continue to get better, um, even though he's playing more and more. So um yeah, we probably haven't seen the best of him. And I'm I'm happy to to invest a invest a uh, you know, again, twenty five, thirty five, you know, DL fifty, that's just that's just crazy i i i i snuck in my way before that myself um that's your other so, question no much prefer sweat to reddick i'm not, I'm not the biggest reddick fan but um that's yeah, just same, same here so here's a question for you jace with mm-hmm. chase young going on the pup list which means he will miss the first four games of the 2022 nfl season which of the sweat bros would you take at cost, we mentioned that Josh Sweat going in that like 35 to 45 range in the yep. IDP only best balls that we've done. I just looked up Montez Sweat. He's going in that like 15 to 24 range. So who would you rather have at their current cost, Montez Sweat or Josh Sweat? Really good question. Um, if you'd have asked me a year ago, it would have been an easy one I'd have done for Montez Sweat. But last, you know, last year wasn't wasn't quite as good for him as, uh, as 20, 2020. So it's, it's kind of opened the door a little bit to, uh, to maybe be in Josh in that case. But I think, I think I'd still take Montez. Um, close call though. Yeah. Addy, Montez sweat, Josh sweat, which of the sweaty bros you going with? I'll just Montez. go. I'll probably go sweat. I'll probably go sweat. That's a great call. I think I'd go sweat as well. <laughs> I'll go sweat. Yeah, that's a great. That's, look, either way, you're sweating, and either way, you're happy about no, it. I go Josh. I yeah. go Josh. I think I go Josh as well. Just because I don't want to burn the early pick on Montez. Yeah, I do like Montez Sweat. I think he is. Uh, he's probably a little underrated at this point. I think so too. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to have to take the, the use the high pick on him. If you're looking at Montez Sweat as a top twelve guy. Then you're getting him between 15 and 24. That's a that's definitely a discount. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking at Josh Sweat as a top 24 guy and you can get him in like the 40 to 50 range, yeah. that's an even nicer discount. So I'll take the bigger discount on Josh Sweat. So Sweat, yeah, Sweaty Bros. Uh, let us talk about some linebackers <clears throat> because this is another position group that is going to be interesting to see how it unfolds for IDP this season. We know that TJ Edwards, Kaiser White appear to be the starters there in Philadelphia, but we have as a sleeper, Nakobe Dean, the rookie out of Georgia. And Jace, the reason we want to bring his name up is because in fantasy, we have a tendency to overweight what happens at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. Those first few weeks. Don't get me wrong. That is important. You don't want to start out 0-4 because you've got your eyes on weeks 6, 7, and 8. But I think there is it is useful to imagine how could things play out for certain teams. We've seen in limited flashes so far this preseason, Nicobe Dean has performed well. The drumbeat out of camp has been very positive for the rookie. And so talking about Nicobe Dean as a sleeper, 
This is a take him late, stash him on your bench. If he gets the opportunity, then it could be very profitable, high upside. We're talking back-end LB1, LB2 possibility if he inherits a big enough role for IDP. Is that going to happen? Who knows? TJ Edwards, Kaiser White looked locked in there. But let's take a dart throw and see what happens. What say you? Yeah, I, I, I really like Dean. I, I love uh, I love his dynasty outlook, especially. So when you're talking about him as a, a sleeper, someone that can really come on towards the end of the year, one 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 thing I tend to look for uh, in situations like these is is you know, contract situations. So Edwards uh, and White uh, are only under contract this year. Uh, there's nothing nothing beyond that for either either guy, unless uh, unless one of them gets extended and. It seems very unlikely to me that they'll extend both players. Um, so yeah, um, it would um, you know it wouldn't surprise me massively if Dean came on a little bit towards the end of the year, started getting even more snaps, uh, potentially replacing one of those two players. I mean, Edwards is he was super productive last year in that role. Um, he went through a, a really a really um, really nice spell of earning me huge points for some of my fantasy rosters, and I was really you know really appreciative of that. And he deserves some kudos for all that, but. Um, talking about a productive role, if, if Dean gets into that role and he's potentially got um, a higher ceiling than someone like an Edwards, for sure, um, it just it makes you excited as to what, what he can become, I think. So, yeah, um, definite, definite uh, fan of the idea of him being a sleeper. Um, but there's a little but here. Um, we've, we've kind of been burned with some of these rookie linebackers in, uh, in recent seasons. Um, Zayvon Collins... Uh, Jameen Davis. Um, so there's a there's a very small part of me that's feeling a little bit reluctant to sort of anoint Dean as uh, you know the, uh, the this guy that's definitely going to take over. But um, but yeah, look, I'm 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 British, right? So we, we don't get too excited about things too often, unless it's a cup of tea or queuing for things. Um, but yeah, I uh, I like Dean. I think it's a good call him being a sleeper. Yeah, either White or Edwards, I think is going to be gone possibly both um, by next year. And yeah, Dean, especially in Dynasty, go grab him if you can. Yeah, absolutely, Addy. These linebackers, even though we like them as the starters, these are roles that they seem locked into. You know, decent players. Uh, Edwards, Kaiser White, Jettison from his original team. Like Jay said, especially in Dynasty, Dean is an excellent stash, but even for redraft, he could absolutely have some value this season. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think so. If 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 you know one of those guys, Kaiser or TJ gets gets injured, I mean, Nicobe Dean comes on the field um, and immediately balls out. You can't. I don't think you can go back to right, those you guys. Can't. You probably can't go. They back. probably get Wally Pipp. So that's a that's a that's a very you know possible situation. Um, but yeah, I'm with Jace. I I'm kind of over trying to figure out these linebackers, these rookie linebackers. I love Dean for dynasty, of course. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all set up for him. He's he's already looked really good in the preseason. Uh, the buzz has been great about him. So, yes, we I love N'Kobe Dean in dynasty. He should probably be a top 20 dynasty linebacker for you already. I would say so. I think he actually is for us. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to draft him in, in 2022 for redraft just because, I mean, they, he still is going to be too high for me. And, and there may be situations where you can pick him up. Mm-hmm. Maybe not at the start of the season, but once we see TJ Edwards, Kaiser White getting 
all of the linebacker snaps for the Eagles and someone dumps him to make room for a waiver wire pickup, pick him up and stash him if you want. In fact, I'm not even sure that Dean may have a higher ADP than TJ Edwards. Wow. I mean, I don't do that. We could pull it up in best ball in those, in those drafts, but I feel like Dean's usually going ahead of TJ Edwards. Yeah. Uh, yep. Also, a little, just a little funny little note about Kaiser White. Uh, you need to put some respect on his name. 99.0 PFF preseason grade right now. 99? Yes, sir. So basically playing perfect football. Large sample size of five snaps. I was going to say five snaps. I was going to say, what is this, one or two snaps that he's actually <laughs> he had been a pick in six, here? Right? <laughs> oh, we had a pick six? I think he did. Oh, my gosh. Well, that'll do it for you. That'll earn you that perfect PFF grade. Uh, yeah, I think Kaiser White's a good player. Like Jay said, pay attention to the contracts situation and dynasty especially as you go into your rookie drafts to see which player even if they're blocked for the current season could be looking at walking into a full-time role if the team doesn't resign uh, resign the current veterans on the roster uh, let's shift gears here a little bit jace and go to the desert to talk about the next team the arizona cardinals who is the first player up from arizona that you wanted to talk about yeah, so this, this is going to raise some eyebrows, um, and uh, I know it's going to sound like I'm about five, five years too late here, but uh, but hear me out. So uh, Stud, uh, I use this uh, term loosely for him at this point in his, his career, is J.J. Watt. Now, you know, he's not the guy he once was. He's not the player he once was, and that's been obvious for a couple of years now. Perhaps the uh, tail end of his career has been ravaged with, uh, with injury. Um He's missed huge chunk of time, chunks of time in four of the last six seasons, including 10 games last year. Um, but he can still play. Um, you know, granted, he only managed a single sack in the seven games he played last year, but he still brought an imp- impressive amount of uh, pressure. In the, uh, he had a four-game stretch between weeks three and week six where he had 22 pressures. That's, that's really impressive. Um, this is not a player who has all of a sudden forgotten to, uh, to get after a quarterback. And a lot of the, what we were talking about earlier on with uh, Demarcus Lawrence kind of applies to what here. Um, granted, what's a few years older, but um, you know he's still a very good player. I think he's better than most to give him credit for. Um, his PFF pass rush grade uh, was eighth amongst all uh, interior defensive linemen in 2021. Um, now I say interior linemen, but it's important to note that what's one of those guys that does move between the interior. And the outside quite a lot. Um, other guys, Lennon Williams, Cam, Cam Hayward, et cetera, do, do something similar. Um, so what has added value in any leagues where he's got a DT designation? So we're generally talking about sort of NFL true position type leagues there. Um, one thing that does stand out for me about what, um, so obviously we know that um, uh, pressure rate is, uh, is, is, is generally quite indicative of future success uh, as far as sack numbers are concerned. Uh, so we want guys with the highest pressure rates. We also know that sort of finishing rate is is a much more unstable metric, um, and we know that finishing rates usually uh, revert to the mean when sort of extrapolated over multiple seasons. So we want to kind of avoid the lucky guys with high finishing rates and go after those guys with low finishing rates because their value tends to be a little better. Um, what I've been looking at recently is the difference between pressure rates and finishing rates for certain players. And someone like um, what. Um, in fact, he has the biggest difference between his pressure rate, which was pretty good, and his finishing rate, which was pretty terrible last year. So he's he's one of those guys I think that can uh, that can bounce back um, and produce at a level that, that you know could be really helpful for fantasy managers. Um, probably only worth rostering in redraft. Um, 
and fantasy managers that are in win now mode, but uh, he can be had for next to nothing. And I've had some success in the past by picking up guys like him, um, almost seeing them as one one or two year rentals and sort of helping push those sort of fantasy rosters that are that are close to winning. Uh, I'm sort of over the uh, over the top a little bit, so that's where I stand. Um, what about you guys? Am I crazy? Be honest. No, Addy, I think there is um, something to be said. If we had a value category, I think that is probably the appropriate label for Watt here because you look at where he's going in these best ball drafts that we've done. And again, that skews it a little bit because uh, you're swinging for high upside. So a lot of riskier redraft plays get pushed up in ADP. But I'll just look, J.J. Watt going between DL47 and DL61. Yeah, so he's crazy. essentially an afterthought. Yeah, one of the greatest uh, defensive players of our generation, uh, going as the DL five or six for some of these teams. So yep. that's what makes him interesting to me. Is a he's one of the greatest players ever. Um, hopefully he'll be healthy this year. We've had some lingering injury concerns, so that's always in the back of my mind. But my goodness, at that range, yes, please. Yeah, yeah, and he. I mean, like Jace mentioned, I mean he was. He was great with the pressures last year, just wasn't converting on the sacks. Um, and he was starting to heat up before he got hurt. I think he had, like, looking at his log, he had a um, 21 points, 22 points, and then he got hurt uh, 30 snaps that the week he got hurt, only six points. But still, he was starting to come on, starting to convert some of those pressures. Um yeah, I love J.J. Watt. Man, Arizona really needs J.J. Watt. They need him. Chandler Jones gone. Yeah. That defense looks not that defense great. looks stinky. Looks pretty bad. Uh, yeah, the uh, the Zaven Collins uh, news hasn't been really what we want to yeah, see. Yeah, we'll talk about him in just a second. Um, but yeah, I, I I love JJ Watt. I think he's a great great pick in your drafts. Yeah, JJ yep. Watt. You're banking on the pedigree. You love the value. He's absolutely going to be necessary for the Arizona Cardinals to have any chance of fielding a competent defense in 2022. Jace, but I feel like if you thought you were going out on an island with J.J. Watt, I feel like this next pick, like Adam said, based on recent news, may be even more of a limb that you're going out on here. Who's your next guy? Yeah, maybe so. So, um, Zayvon Collins. Um, this is when we're talking about um, sort of scouring a roster, trying to find um, – a, a guy to talk about. You mentioned the Cardinals defense, and they are it's a it's a weird setup they've got going there. They, they've got some some players who are sort of supremely talented or considered so coming into the league that have just not not been not been as good as we hoped they would be. Perhaps there's something to do with the role they're in. You know, uh, Simmons perhaps, um, or um, they just haven't yet lived up to expectations. And you know, Collins is one of those guys. So I mean, everyone knows how disappointing his uh, his rookie season was. Um, first-round pick, expected to slide into this starting spot alongside Simmons. Um, then Jordan Hicks, expected to be traded. Um, didn't happen. We know how this all worked out, right? So I'm, I've gone over old ground. Um, but fast forward a year, Hicks is gone. Um, Simmons is uh, seemingly slated to perform a similar role to the one he had last year where he moves around a little more than uh, the majority of other uh, inside linebackers. So I'm I'm kind of tentatively, tentatively expecting Collins to be uh, the full-time guy playing in more in a more orthodox role, uh, which should be good for his tackle volume. Um, and obviously, the reason I say tentatively is probably the thing you alluded to there is uh, is the presence of uh, of Nick Vigil. Um, so, uh, you know, Mike covered him with John, I think, in the last pod um, that came out earlier in the week. Um, 
the vigil has this really, really annoying uh, habit of limiting the value of, uh, of other linebackers on the teams he plays for. Um, you know, finding his way onto the uh, the field somehow and stealing snaps. And you know, if Collins doesn't impress, if you can't turn things around, um, then yeah, I can definitely see the same thing happening here. So it might sound I'm talking uh, talking down about Collins a little bit here, but I think he's I think he's got the draft capital um, to 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 warrant um, or to justify giving him a shot here. Um, uh, if he does take that role, will he be uber productive? I'm not entirely sure. Hicks. Hicks barely surpassed 100 uh, tackles uh, despite playing 1,000 snaps um, and needed some big plays to really boost his fantasy value. So, yeah, um, I think Collins could still break out despite what we've seen in the early part of uh, this year so far. Yeah, Eddie, I want to set you up here. The It feels like Zayvon Collins is the IDP Roshark uh, test where you kind of look at it and you see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. We have been the ultimate fans of Zaven Collins on this show. We famously called for hashtag Zaven season mm-hmm. with Nate Tice earlier this year. But boy, the stuff coming out of camp and the preseason has me very, very concerned. Where are you on Zaven season as we stand here on August 23rd? I think you just got to stand strong. You know, if, you're, if your opinion is that you like Zaven Collins and you think he's going to be good when he gets an opportunity, I think you have to continue to ride that. Um, and I think, a lot, I think a lot of the stuff that we're seeing and hearing, I think it might be noise, which I'm fine with. You know, I mean, if you're, if you're drafting right now, I mean, his ADP reflects the recent news and everything. Like, this is a guy, I just took him in the IDP Invitational, and I got, I got him as my third linebacker, and I think it was like probably linebacker 30. Wow. Yeah, sign me up for that, dude. I mean, that, if, if it turns out to where Zayvon Collins gets all the snaps this year, that's a league winner. Absolutely. I mean, so I'm gonna take. I, I'm definitely gonna take. Uh, take that shot now that his ADPs dropping. Mean, if we were drafting in June, you had to probably use like a top twenty pick to get Zayvon Collins. That ain't the case now. So I'm all about it. I mean, again, even if um, even if it seems like Nick Vigil is gonna get the job to start, he's still Nick Vigil. That's right. You know, he's he's still Nick Vigil. He's still gonna he's still gonna suck. Zaven might get his opportunity at some point. Um, and, I th- and I think he definitely would. I mean, if, 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 if that is the way it goes, I would, I would still plan. I would still have Zaven Collins on speed dial if, if he's on the waivers. And that's the thing, too. I feel like there is sort of a binary here of Zaven Collins is going to get his opportunity and be this league winner that we've all expected and hoped and waited for, or he's just not going to get it. And he is going to be a complete first round bust and washed out of the league, and all of this hope is going to go. It's down the drain. It's a really bad look for Arizona. Though. Yes, I mean they've they've had because I mean think about with Hassan Reddick, they didn't know what to do with him. Now they got uh, Isaiah Simmons, where they're still trying to figure out what to do with him. Zayvon Collins, I mean, would he be better suited playing more edge snaps? I I think that's probably part of his the best part of his game. Um, so, I, so maybe they're, I don't know that they're really using these guys properly. I'm not a fan of Vance Joseph. He's a hard ass. I hate coaches like that. They get, cause players get in the doghouse way too easily. Um, but again, there ain't a lot of talent there in Arizona. So I'm going to take my shot on Zayvon Collins because I do think he has league winning, um, upside. 
Yeah, we just have to cross our fingers that even if it is Nick Vigil running out there as the full-time linebacker to start the season, that Zaven earns his way onto the field, and once he has that role, never relinquishes it to uh, Jordan Hicks, Nick Vigil, whatever other scrub linebacker you want to throw in there, hopefully he can take hold of this job and never let it go. Because we, we are hoping for that breakout. And Jace, if the price is coming down on Zayvon Collins, I'll be in at that cost. The cost that he was going in June is a top 20 guy, probably a little too rich for the uncertainty that we face now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, you know, if um, that's exactly it. If you have Collins on a roster, um, and if your rosters are big enough, Nick Vigil is going to cost you peanuts. You, you, you might as well get both guys, um, and then whatever happens, um, you know, hopefully they don't share snaps. Um, but whatever happens, whoever wins that role, you're um, you're in a good place. That's uh, that's my that's my approach with these things. But yeah, as you say, Collins' value has been. Plummeting as a result of uh, what we're seeing so far, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. Um, if, if you've got him, you've probably still got him from last year in Dynasty, right? You haven't really got out and targeted him as a, a linebacker that you want this uh, uh, this season. But yeah, if you redraft, um, yeah, wait till, wait till his value plummets and then go out and get him. That's right. Next up here, we have going back to the NFC East, the Washington Commanders. Still don't like the name. The uniforms are okay. I don't know why it has like a black stripe across the sleeve uh, when their colors are like burgundy and gold, but that's neither here nor there. We want to talk about amazing hair, amazing production, and a stud player. It's Cole Holcomb played 99% of the snaps across 16 games, 14.1 points per game last season with 142 total tackles, uh, a sack, two INTs, two tackles for loss. Uh, We know John Macri is probably Cole Holcomb's number one fan. If he wins a championship while rostering Cole Holcomb, he is going to grow the mullet out, Jay. So if for no other reason than seeing John Macri with a really bad haircut. There is so many reasons to be excited about Cole Holcomb for 2022. And um, I don't feel like even with all the buzz that he's been getting, he's still a guy that you have to pay a tremendous price for. And as a three-down linebacker, he just seems um, locked in and consistent and not a guy who's going to crap your team week to week. There aren't a lot of things to dislike about Cole Holcomb, Jace. No, he, yeah, he won me over. So at the beginning of uh, last year, I wasn't as sold in on him as, as others were at that point in time. Um, but yeah, he won me over. He, he's, he's got the tackle volume. Um, you know, he was, uh, he was pretty, pretty impressive with a big player last year as well. Um, we, we kind of hope for those uh, to continue. Um, and as you say, that, that mullet is just a, a, you know, a thing of beauty. What's, what's, not, what's not to love? Um, I was looking at his tackle volume compared to the rest of the, uh, the commanders last year. I surprised to, I wasn't surprised to see that he led the, t- the team in tackles, but was surprised to see he, he led them by such a margin. 43 more tackles than, uh, than, than Cam Curl. Uh, impressive stuff, right? So, yeah, um, going into next year or this year, in fact, um, yeah, he's the sort of the unquestioned leader. Del Rio, Jack Del Rio has been talking about how he's, uh, how Holcomb has taken on that more of a leadership role. Um, again, cliche perhaps, but um, I'd rather hear positive cliches than sort of, uh, again, things like nagging injuries or, you know, guys that aren't, uh, aren't quite finding their way. So, 
Um, yeah, the one the one reservation I have, and it's it's not a massive one, is is what's what's happening with his contracts. Um, and he's one of those guys, though, that I think you know whether they extend him or not, and I think they probably will do. Um, he's probably going to be, in fact, he's more than likely going to earn a full time starting role elsewhere. So it might not affect his value too much, even if the team didn't extend him. So yeah, I'm a Hawking fan. I like the call. He is a stud. Um, yeah. The other thing worth mentioning here, Addy, and uh, maybe we were just a year early on this, but Jamin Davis, his running mate, who I famously and regrettably planted a flag on last season. Uh, <laughs> flag plant episode coming soon. Yeah, next uh, couple weeks from now. <laughs> Tune in to see how badly we whiff this year. Um, now I'm going much safer and not touching any rookie linebackers on that episode this year. But Jamin Davis from John Macri's uh, Week two of the preseason takeaway article over at PFF.com. Check that out if you haven't already. John is doing the Lord's work watching these god-awful preseason games and giving us the takeaways that we need to know for IDP. From this article, second-year linebacker Jamin Davis also played 100% of the team's defensive snaps during his time on the field for the second straight week. It's looking more like Davis could be in for a much larger role this season than the lowly 40 or 56% he played as a rookie. So does the possible presence of Jamin Davis in a more full-time role give you any hesitation at all when drafting Cole Holcomb? Nah. Nope. No? Nah. Me, me no, neither. No. Nah. Cole Holcomb's going to eat, man. I mean, it, and like I said, I've I've been looking at some of the college stats. Just I'm not sure how you know the stuff's going to translate. That's we'll we'll see. But I mean, Cole Holcomb's been one of those guys that just soaks up tackles. Uh, every every year he's 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 going to get. Looking back at North Carolina, uh, his sophomore year, 115 tackles. Junior year, 93 tackles. Senior year, 104 tackles. I mean, that's that's what the dude does. He knows how to tackle, and he has. Hella good hair. I was going to say, the lettuce is there. The tackle numbers are there. Sounds like, Jace, you're not at all concerned if we see Jamin Davis in a expanded role for 2022, uh, impacting Cole Holcomb's production significantly. No, as I say, I mean, Cole, there's only so many uh, full-time linebackers in this league right now, and Holcomb, a little bit like the, um, the Roquan Smith situation, right? So if he leaves, um, I'm not too fussed about his value uh, because he's always going to land up on it in a team that, that plays him almost every, if not every down. So I don't really see his value changing massively. And the same is true with, with Holcomb. Wherever he goes, he's going to be a full-time linebacker. He wouldn't accept anything less at this point in his career, not while he's been performing at the level he has. So, uh, yeah, I'm more concerned about the presence of, uh, of Davis. Um, yeah, not at all. So next up here on the list, a player you just mentioned, Jace. And we have him lab- labeled as a sleeper. I think you could probably attach the stud label to this guy, but because of the ambiguity, because of the presence of Landon Collins last season, because of the Bobby McCain kind of interference early on in the year, we didn't quite see the role that we wanted for Cam Curl. But again, referencing John's article, go back and check it out. The usage has been elite for Cam Curl in terms of IDP production. He has that box role locked up, and John has him ranked as his number three safety for the 2022 season. Jace, I think one of the easiest calls in all of IDP is that Cam Curl is about to break out in a big way. 
Yeah, exactly. I uh, I love Cam Krill. Um, and, uh, you know, as you said, the, the box uh, role leech that was, <laughs> was Landon Collins is, uh, is now gone. Um, Krill really improved as a tackler last season. That was probably my one reservation about him after uh, the 2020 season. He missed a lot of tackles last year. Um, but the numbers here, I think it's like 7% of tackles. It's less than 7% of tackles. Fantastic, really, for for, for Curl. So he's, uh, you know, he's taking a, uh, or making the most of all of his opportunities. There's a lot less uh, question marks or concerns hanging over someone like uh, Cam Curl than there is uh, for several of the other top uh, safeties. Um, the only the only three, I was thinking about this, so the only three safeties I would um, confidently place ahead of Curl really for this season uh, would be uh, Derwin James, um, Jeremy Chin, um, and Buddha Baker, although he's a lot closer, I think, to to Curl. Um, I'd, I'd really happy with him. I think John having him as, as his number three safety is a is a good shout. Um, yeah, I'm all over Curl this year. Addy, you have famously been talking up Jeremy Chin as just sort of a guy, not someone who has been a difference maker thus far. So I'm curious. I think we all have King Derwin atop safety mountain right now. But with what we've seen from Cam Curl thus far in the preseason, where is he in your 2022 pecking order for safeties? Yeah, he's surging. I mean, he's a top 12 option at this point. Um, Yeah, I mean, just with, you know, Collins gone. And then, yeah, look at the usage right now. I mean, uh, two, two snaps on the line, 34 in the box, five at free safety, seven at slot, uh, one outside. So, I mean, that is just, that's, that's gotta be, that's gotta be right next to Jeremy Chin as far as like who's playing the most box snaps right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, love Cameron curl. He's, uh, he's, he's a good value too. I mean, this guy usually isn't being drafted ahead of, um, ahead of safety 12. I'd pull up the, the ADP if you could, baby. I will do that. Cause I was curious here. This, a lot of these best balls, wrapped before we started seeing uh, where Curl was going uh, to be used uh, by Washington this season. Well, we should have seen it coming, you know? I mean, it, it's that's what he's primarily, that's the role he's kind of been in when Landon Collins isn't there. Um, that's how he was when he was a rookie. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cameron Curl, he's actually good, too. He's, he's a fun player to watch. I really like Cameron Absolutely Curl. graded 69.4 overall. Nice. That tackling grade, 82.4. So you yeah. wonder why they have confidence putting this guy in the box. It's like Jace alluded to, improved as a tackler, 82.4, is damn near elite in terms of your tackle ability. So the highest he went uh, in our best balls, DB20, and uh, the lowest, DB23, uh, so it looks so like that's, I mean, that's great. Yeah, that he's right in that uh, DB 24, uh, DB 21. So somewhere in yep. that 20 to 25 range for Cam Curl. So would that will that be different now? Probably uh, with some of the usage and some of the hype. Some that of the we've tweets. Gotten. Yeah, some of the tweets from John. John single handedly is driving Cam yeah. Curl's ADP up. But man, <laughs> even if he gets driven into say the low teens, if he's somewhere in that twelve to fifteen range, still could be a value for a guy that has top five upside. That mm-hmm. is a value, Jace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you think, hey, question: Do you think John ever uses his uh, 
his situation, his, uh, his, his yes. reach to... Uh, yes, for evil. For yes. evil, of course. Yeah, I'm thinking it's, it's definitely yeah. a way to go, I think, isn't it? I, I, um, I think the better question, does he ever use it for good? Yeah, has he ever used it for good? <laughs> if we see him start pushing uh, some anti-Derwin narratives, then we'll yeah. know he's truly gone yeah. all the way to the dark side uh, <laughs> and, and been corrupted. So, uh, yeah. I'll definitely pull him out on that. I'm a Chargers fan. Um, Derwin is my, my favorite player in the, uh, the NFL. Um, so if I hear any any doing James Slander from uh, from John's corner, I'll be the first to call him out on that for sure. Yeah, we'll know that he's tr- truly gone all the way evil. Even yeah, he's a little bit evil right now for sure. But I think the Cam Curl call, especially Jason, did you know that John doesn't like bacon? John doesn't like bacon. Yeah, uh, I liked him until now. What's, what's I know what's right. We said we're going to get him down here to Kentucky and just force feed him bacon. I don't know, but I don't trust anyone that doesn't like bacon. Yeah, it's uh, it's real questionable, real questionable what's going on in his heart and uh, <laughs> where the happiness level is in his. Now maybe his cholesterol's good. His happiness though no, is, uh, leaves a little yeah. bit to be desired sure. there. So, uh, well, but I'm yeah, just un- unfollowed him on Twitter now. He's unfollowed now. <laughs> there we go. We should all do right. that. Bacon gang, let's yeah. go. Bacon gang, show up on Twitter. What's up? Um, so just unfollow John in mass. Um, yeah. But the Cam Curl take, the bacon take, we know is uh, you know indefensibly awful. But the Cam Curl take has been spot on and confirmed by the preseason. So Cole Holcomb, Cam Curl. Couple nice options there in Washington, but let's shift gears to the defending Super Bowl champions. And it's weird to look at this first player's name on your list here, Jace, and say Los Angeles Rams. But who are we kicking things off with from LA? Okay, yes, yeah, this is an easy call for me, Bobby Bobby Wagner. Um, so yeah, as you said, it's going to be weird watching him suit up in a new uh, New Jersey in 2022, isn't it? It's going to take some getting used to. Um, but what will, I think, um, be familiar to us is how Wagner is just going to be flying around the field every down, doing his thing. Um, now, you know, Wagner's wasn't quite the same player last year as we've seen in years before. His, his covering, uh, coverage, sorry, tackling and run defense, PFF grades, were in the bottom three uh, of the uh, the years in, in his career. Um and in fact, Pierre Beckway in his, his, two, his last two games in weeks 15 and 16 as two of the worst since he's entered the league uh, back in 2012. Um, but, you know, let's not overreact. Compared to, compared to his peers, I think Wagner still uh, compares favorably in pretty much every way. He was, he was so good um, that he's got further to fall than uh, the vast majority of the players. Um, still recorded a career high in tackles. Um, and helped by the fact that he remained healthy most of the season, finished seventh in total snaps among all linebackers. Um, Ernest Jones and Troy Reader, uh, for the most part, interchanged that position for the Rams in 2021 and managed uh, 148 tackles between them. I wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if Wagner managed that uh, on his own in 2022, uh, health permitting, obviously. He's my LB3 in redraft, and it's, uh, it's actually quite close at the top. Um, so yeah, Wagner, he's my, uh, my stud. Uh, I know from listening to your other pods that you guys are fans. Um, tell me what your thoughts are. Eddie, do you still, did you move Roquan back to number one redraft for you with the news? He's going to play out his contract. Yes, I did. Okay. So is B Wags now number B-Wags two for you? Two. Yeah. I don't, even if he's a slightly diminished version of the Bobby Wagner we've seen 
over the past decade in mm-hmm. Seattle. I mean, in that Los Angeles linebacking core, we've been searching for the next Corey Littleton, which is weird to say, given how horrendous he's been outside of L.A. But now you drop in one of the, I mean, arguably top three or four linebackers for the real NFL and for IDP over the past 10 years into that situation. That's just dynamite. I don't know. Are we missing something here with Bobby Wagner? No, I mean, I think if you're using a top pick on a guy, right, you want you want to have like a sure thing. I mean, there's not there's not many more sure things than Bobby Wagner this year, right? That's I mean, right. He's just gonna 150 tackles easy, wouldn't you think? Oh yeah, yeah. Sign me up. I, I love I love Bobby Wagner. I mean, well, what a hot take there. Yeah, <laughs> I love this guy. I love this, this guy. guy's Good. just been great. Yeah, he's just a ball player. <laughs> but uh, he's he's awesome, man. I mean, I, I've gotten him. And so many of these drafts, just I mean, he's if I'm picking like um, 106. I was gonna say know, back later, half of the first. Bobby Wagner's gonna be my pick. That's right. It's um that's a great a great point, Jace, that Adam made. Of if you're picking at the top of drafts, you want certainty, right? I think Sigmund yep. Bloom said it well. He said it's not about uh, finding the highest upside early in your drafts. It's about minimizing risk. Right when you're spending that much on a player, you want safety, security, that really secure floor, right? And so exactly. I, I don't think, and and maybe there are some guys I'm not thinking of. Aaron Donald, his teammate, probably is in this category. Mm-hmm. But in terms of at his position and across all of IDP, there probably is no safer bet than Bobby Wagner, even with a new situation, new team. This guy is a slam dunk pick for 2022. Exactly. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting. We've got a decade of uh, of, of, of production to look back on. Um, he's still a very good player. I mean, his, his overall PFF grade of 72 still still very good. Um, it's yeah, he's 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 just an easy choice, isn't he? It gives you a warm fuzzy feeling to have him on your team. I agree. Now let's. Instead of stating the obvious, right, with that Bobby Wagner is mm-hmm. outrageously good, he's a safe pick at the top of your drafts, let's pivot to a take that I'm glad Bobby is not here for, uh, <laughs> in that Ernest Jones, the next player on your list, is receiving a designation that might raise some eyebrows. What are your thoughts on Ernest Jones for 2022? Yeah, so I've gotten down as a, as a bust. Um, so a lot of people in the IDP community won't like this call at all. Um, a lot of people are relying on um, Jones to take a big step forward this year. And uh, I just want to be clear, right? I don't dislike Jones as a player. I think he showed a lot of, uh, a lot of promise last year. Um, had some standout games, um, Jags game in particular. Um, but it just comes back to my uh, uh, a point we made earlier on about other players. Um, it's about opportunity. Where's, where's the opportunity coming from? Um, you know, no team in the NFL is more committed to a single linebacker scheme than the uh, than the Rams. Uh, Wagner will definitely be the the every down linebacker there. Um, I mean, you know, are the Rams suddenly going to deploy a much higher percentage of two linebacker sets just to involve Jones? I'm I'm just not not ready to accept that they intend to buck that sort of league wide trend of playing fewer off ball linebackers uh, than the year before. It's just not something I'm confident is uh, is going to happen. Um, and I think now, you know, the hype around Jones has reached a point where people will be disappointed if he doesn't deliver really solid numbers. Um, 
And, you know, going back to that point I made a minute ago, like some of the old players on this list, I want to be clear that this, this bust nomination isn't a criticism of Jones as a player. I just, I just don't think he's going to meet expectations this year. Um, mm-hmm. With that said, you know, I'm very happy to roster him in, in dynasty formats with one eye on the future. Um, Wagner won't be around forever, I don't think. <laughs> you know, what better player for Jones to learn from than a, than a future Hall of Fame? So, yeah, that's where I stand on Jones. I'm, I'm pretty bullish about this one as well, actually. Uh, but as always, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I always keep an open mind or try to keep an open mind to some degree. So if it doesn't, if it doesn't play out in the way I expect and Jones goes on to, you know, earn 800, 900 snaps this year somehow and, and deliver, you know, 80 to 100 tackles and perform in the way that people are hoping he will, then I'll be the first to hold my hands up and say, you know, I was wrong. But I just, I just don't see it happening. What's yeah, Eddie, I think I think if I can sort of interpret for Babo, who we know is a huge, huge Ernest Jones fan. <laughs> He's on full hashtag Ernest Saves Christmas uh, train right now. But I think what you're banking on here is, like Jay said, a change in philosophy. Mm-hmm. We've talked to scheme busters, right? These scheme guys busters. like Ernest Jones, Clay like Walker. Quay Walker, that are so good, are so undeniably talented that they force the coach's hand into getting them on the field. I think that's the kind of twofold argument that a pro Ernest Jones manager would make is, I think this dude is going to work his way onto the field. And I think the important piece here is cost. Bobby talked about in his video on Twitter that if you can acquire Jones on the cheap, we're not saying, like, set expectations appropriately. We're not saying roster this guy as your LB1 or LB2. No. Get him on your team with the expectation. If you believe, as Bobby does, that there is a world in which the Rams get these two linebackers on the field and something assembling two full-time roles. Yeah, um, and also I think another point, uh, is there a more valuable handcuff if that is going to be the case where it's just Bobby Wagner out there? Um, I don't think so. I mean, if Ernest Jones, if something were to happen to Bobby Wagner, he's not the youngest fella anymore, you know. Um, Ernest Jones would be a league winner. That's if, right. If he had to step into that role. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely a risk. You know, like Jay said it perfectly, It's we don't, we don't hate uh, Ernest Jones dynasty wise. We love Ernest Jones dynasty wise. Um, it's just the the history of the way the Rams have used the linebackers there. Yeah, it's it's is it likely that that ba- Bobby Wagner and Ernest Jones both play like over ninety percent of the snaps? Probably not. But if Ernest Jones can get to 65%, percent. That he makes could, him, he could maybe see our lineups. I mean, just yes. because of the type of player he is, where he has a knack for like making big plays and stuff, like we saw in Super Bowl. Um, and that's that's the argument. That's that's really we just want people to keep open mind about uh, schemes too. Like just because the player, just because a team has done certain a certain thing with schemes, doesn't mean they're going to do that forever. So uh, you know, are, are are any of us really loading up on Ernest Jones? I don't think so. No, um, but. Yeah, you know we still like Ernest Jones for dynasty for dynasty, and again it could change. Who knows? It may change. Sometimes it is it a personnel thing versus what they you know what what the coach wants to do. Who knows? Maybe they just haven't had the talent like they 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 have now, um, and it'll change. Probably not likely, 
but I think you just keep an open mind with stuff like that. Yeah, and there's going to be tested this year. I mean, this will be a great situation to watch. Green Bay is going to be one we're we're, we're very curious right. about. So we'll we'll know. We'll know pretty soon. And the thing too, Jace is Ernest Jones actually good. He's a good player, and that's the thing yep. too is like I I follow the axiom of like teams don't lie with their money. So in bringing in Bobby Wagner, I think the typical reaction would be, well, obviously they don't trust Ernest Jones in that role. I think they had a chance to acquire Bobby freaking Wagner. And this team known for going out and taking big swings on big name players, Jalen Ramsey, Von Miller. They had a chance to go get a guy like Bobby Wagner. And so it wasn't necessarily... I don't think an indictment of Ernest Jones as much as it was a chance to get a Hall of Famer to load up for a second Super Bowl run. So will we see the emergence of a profitable second linebacker role? Maybe not. But even as Addy said, there's a path to profitability with Jones if something were to happen to Bobby Wagner because Jones is hashtag good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. You know, if I was... Uh perish the thought right but if I, I was in charge of the rams and i saw wagner become available and i you know my team my roster was as strong as uh, as theirs i'd like grand get wagner as well i don't think it, I'm, I'm with you i don't think it's a uh an indictment on uh against um you know jones and what he did at all and you know again i'm i'm really happy to uh to roster him in, in dynasty if i if i've got him i'm feeling quite happy about the fact he's on my roster um i just um yeah i just i just think expectations are are very high right now. Um, and in situations like these before where there's the, a very clear, very defined um, sort of approach in philosophy as far as schemes are concerned, I, I just, yeah, again, it's playing the averages, right? So everything I've said today, everything we say could all be very wrong. But yeah, what's, what's the most likely outcome? That's where my head's at. I'm thinking the most likely thing is that they don't completely change their philosophy Um and the most likely outcome, unfortunately, and I do, you know, I roster Jones in some leagues, is that he's probably not going to meet the the crazy expectations that we have right now. But again, you know, open-minded. Hopefully he does. I, I, I'd, re- I'd be really happy if he did. Yeah, we'd be thrilled if he exceeded our expectations. And that's the point here, folks, is just calibrate your expectations appropriately. Jones is not going to be a guy that we will recommend putting into lineups early in the season. Mm-hmm. There's just too much uncertainty. There is too much of a track record of the Rams just deploying one linebacker in that full-time role, and we know that's going to be Bobby Wagner. But the optimism is for the what-if potential for this season. And I think all of us would be well-served to explore the what-if scenarios for a lot of these teams, especially when you have a player of Jones's caliber So let's shift gears here back to the New York Giants and the NFC East. Addy, the first stud we're touching on is one of your favorites. Xavier McKinney played 17 games last season, 97% of snaps, 10.9 points per game by big three scoring, and a 75.4 overall grade. Um, I don't know, sort of like Bobby Wagner, not the track record, obviously, of the future Hall of Famer, but... Xavier McKinney is a dude we've been on for a while. They have cleared the lane. They have jettisoned a lot of the pieces that were standing, kind of muddying that defensive back room. And it seems like Xavier McKinney is 
wheels up for 2022 for IDP. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, it seems like he's wearing the green dot. So, I mean, he's, he's, that tells you all you need to know. I mean, they, they look at this guy as like the leader of the defense. Um, and yeah, I mean, the guys that have left, uh, Jabril Peppers, Logan Ryan, both of those types were guys that like to play closer to the line of scrimmage, which is, I, I think, what Xavier K- McKinney's going to primarily be doing more of. Um, last year, he was playing a lot more deep. Um, but again, that's because, I mean, who else he had around with him that were just better at, at those roles than he was? Not the case now. Uh, and also, Xavier McKinney has proved that he can do this. His rookie year, it was a shortened season because, remember, he was hurt early on. But when he did come in at the end of the year, he played primarily in the box. Um, so that's not something that he can't do. And again, he's 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 a great player. I mean, he's he's has continued to develop. Um, I love Xavier McKinney, man. I think that um, I think that he could easily be a, a top five safety this year. Um, yeah, and he's a he's a fine. You know, you don't have to really overspend to get him. I mean, he's he's going off the boards like that safety ten to fifteen range. You know, in that fifty. 10 to 15 range, I'd say. So um, I'm fine with that price. Yeah, Jace, it seems like you mentioned, Do we? how do we parse the training camp buzz? How do we deal with the drum beat, right? We don't want to get too carried away, but we do like when it's positive rather than negative. And we do like the fact that the team did not bring in uh, other DBs, to replace Jabril Peppers and Logan Ryan. It seems like it's going to be Julian Love, Xavier McKinney, two guys that were already on the team. There's green dot possibilities with Xavier McKinney. And outside of Blake Martinez, not a lot going on there in that linebacking room in front of him. So I see a lot of positive signs for Xavier McKinney's 2022 outlook. But uh, how do you view Mr. McKinney? Yeah, he's he's one of the players I just really enjoy watching. You know, we talk about uh, you know stats and, and metrics and what's predictive and what's not. Sometimes it's just a player you like watching. Uh, he's one of those guys for me. Um, yeah, hell of a player. His second second year, as you as you said, played much more um, a little up and down at times, but overall he was excellent. And again, you know, kind of expect that from a player who's in his first sort of full time role in the, in the big leagues. Um, Easily established himself, I think, as one of the best players on that Giants defense. Um, turned out to be a great, uh, a great investment. Um, early second round pick in that twenty twenty draft. Do you um, do you think what we've seen in the preseason so far in terms of McKinney lining up? You, you think you mentioned this uh, a minute ago, Adam, about um, how McKinney is lining up closer to the uh, the line of scrimmage. Is something that's going to uh, to continue? That would that would really help his tackle numbers if. If I if, if if I had one criticism and it's um it's, it's really more of a reservation I suppose than the criticism is that his his tackle numbers weren't weren't elite um, despite playing some of Edmund down after week three or four so do you think that he is going to continue to play closer to the line of scrimmage um, and uh, that being the case you know his tackle numbers will go up a little bit and he becomes more useful to those sort of non best ball non big play leagues as well. Yes, I think so, man. I mean, just with with Peppers and Logan Ryan both being gone, um, yeah, I, I, it's he's the he's the candidate. I'm trying to pull up. I, I did some DB alignment um, data for the site not too long ago. So, um, all right, so looking at 2021, so he only played 28 percent of his snaps in the sweet spots, which is DL box and slot. 
um, in 2020, and it was a smaller sample size because I think he missed like the first 11 weeks or something, he played 61% of his snaps in the sweet spot. So, again, this guy mm-hmm. can do that. Um, it's just a matter of who was there with him last year, right? Those guys are not there anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think he's a he's a more complete player, like, right? I mean, usually when you – when you're going to have a, a guy in the box, you that guy's like more of like your 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 thicker safety types, right? You know, thick with the uh, thick with three C's, right? So, so I mean, Xavier McKinney's body's developed more now. We're talking about bodies now. Love to do this. Love to talk about men's bodies. Um, but yeah, I think it's I think it's all lined up for Xavier McKinney to take on a, a you know that that box role that we're looking for. I would be surprised, yeah. Jace, if we saw less than fifty percent of his snaps in the sweet spot. Yeah. Um, and the price you're paying, Addie mentioned um, that safety 10, that is reflected in these best balls as well. His range DB six to DB 16. Mm-hmm. So somewhere around that nine to 10 mark is probably where you're seeing this guy go off and love mm-hmm. cam curls, top five potential love. He, I, I view those guys very, very similar in terms of both have top five upside, and I would feel very, very comfortable taking them as my safety and one. Xavier McKinney's one of those guys that, like, I don't even really care about the usage, right? Because I know he's actually good. I know he's like a playmaker. Same thing with, like, Antoine Winfield. Like, people keep telling you to fade Antoine Winfield because he plays nothing but deep, but that dude is a baller, and he's going to keep having top ten finishes every year. Uh, I mean, sometimes, you know, the usage is great, but there are certain players that buck that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. what do you think, Jace? Do you think um I Minka mean, Fitzpatrick too? Look at it last year, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Javon yeah. Holland, another example as well. Yeah. Uh do you think he's gonna be in line for a, a hefty kind of alignment in that sweet spot going into twenty twenty two? What's your take on that? Yeah, possibly. Um, you know, again, he's it's it's encouraging what we've seen so far in uh, in preseason. We're talking about uh a really small sample size, but um, he's played 39% of his uh, snaps in the box so far or on the defensive line, which is uh, a huge uptick compared to, to last year. Um, so I'm not getting too carried away with it because, again, it's the preseason. We, we sort of said this um, and we'll keep saying it um, throughout the rest of the pod here, but um, it's again, it's encouraging. Things are heading in the right direction, which is, which is what we want to say sometimes. It's just about looking for positive trends. Um, and so that's what we're doing here, right? Yeah, and and, I, and despite you know him playing what twenty eight percent in the sweet spot last year, he still put up what ninety three, ninety four tackles last year. Yeah, ninety three mm-hmm. tackles. I mean, that's. I mean, maybe maybe the efficiency was uh, comes down or something, but I mean, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like we're in range for some hundred tackle seasons now. I love it. Yep. I love the Xavier McKinney outlook. Another player along. The defensive line that we are very excited for there in New York is Aziz Ojolari. And uh, we have him listed as a sleeper. He played 17 games, started 13 last season, 67% of snaps, 9.3 points per game. Um, But if you look at, this was interesting, the top scoring rookie edge rusher in 2021, Addy, it is Jalen Phillips out of Miami, but only by 0.1 points. Aziz Ojolari was right on his heels, and we've had this realization, I think, right, of having more respect for the veterans. We were very 
rookie happy because we're a dynasty focused podcast for the most part. We've come to respect these vets more and more. Another realization I feel like we've had collectively as a show is that this defensive line position, whether it's interior edge rusher, it takes a long time for these guys to reach their full potential. So even though this was a prolific draft class in terms of edge rusher, I think we need to be patient and expect years three and four to be when these guys are really turning into the best edge rushers in the league. That being said, year two for Aziz Ojolari along this Giants defensive line, I have a lot of excitement for what we could see from Ojolari. Um, Double-digit point per game average, I think is in range for what we saw uh, based on his rookie season. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, yeah. that that team's got a lot of juice right now too, right? I mean, that's uh, you got a new coach in there, um, just drafted Kayvon. Who, hopefully he's okay. Yeah, he's going to miss three to four weeks, it sounds like, with an MCL sprain. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, they're getting – he's got some nice help around him, Ojolari does. Um, he's actually good himself. And, and yeah, I mean – for us, I mean, he was he was really productive for for being a rookie. You know, eight sacks, eight tackles for loss, forty nine total yeah, tackles. Yeah, I mean, you, that's that's way above expectations. I would say if you're the New York Giants, um, I like Ojolari a lot. Uh, yeah, I, I I think he's the problem with him is he is a little high as far as ADP. You know, um, people seem to usually draft him up there like he's, you know, like he's a top 20 option maybe i'm wrong there yeah it looks like uh got the adp pulled up from the best balls which again favors guys like these that have the chance to rack up multiple sacks but uh dl 32 dl 38 uh dl 36 uh dl 32 so he's going okay, that's not bad in that 32 that's to fine. like 38 range yeah. it sounds like and it's just i like seeing young guys uh have big weeks early on you know just show that they they can they have high ceilings. Uh, and Ojolari did that. He had a few really big weeks. Yeah, very under the radar, it seems like, Jace. But what's your temperature on Ojolari going into this season? Yeah, so, yeah, just to, just to let you know, I'm seeing him around the same spot as well, 31, 32. Um, that seems good value um, for, for him, I think, compared to some of the other guys that are going around the same spots. So, uh, Boye Marfe, you know, Ebiketti. Uh, Alex oh, Highsmith, wow. it seems like sort of good company for uh, for Ojolari. I think, um, yeah, that at that point in the uh, in the draft, that's not bad value. But he's an interesting one for me. Um, I'm still a little undecided on him. Eight sacks as a as a rookie is uh, is really impressive stuff, right? And then puts him in in, in rare company. Um, as you say, it's not an easy position to to master. I guess none of them are, but you know, edge rusher, we we typically have to be quite patient, as you say, to to wait for these guys to hit that peak. Um, the reservation I have with him is he, he only managed 42 pressures. Um, so we had a near sort of 20, between 20 and 25% of finishing rate. And that that's that's unsustainable. Um, so he needs to you know, bring more pressure uh, in order to maintain his, his fantasy production going into, into year two. You know, can he do that? You know, of course he can. I wouldn't be surprised if he did. And like, you know, I hope he does. It was his rookie season. So I'm, Trying not to uh, to judge too harshly um, for those guys that are just starting out. Um, 
I, I was thinking about this earlier on. I used to, uh, I used to love watching the Giants' uh, defenses of, of old. You know, Osi, Umanyora, um, Strahan, and you know, Justin Tuck as well. How fun would it be if uh, if Ojolari, um sort of uh, developed into the player that he's shown glimpses of, and if uh, Thibodeau became um, the guy that's uh, you know lived up to his billing? That wouldn't that be cool to watch? I think. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. You got Leonard Williams there as well. Uh, hopefully, yep. Kayvon comes back healthy with no real, you know, lasting ramifications for this season. Ojolari is also a type that kind of he seems like he gets tackles too. He had forty nine last year. That's that's not bad for an edge guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he's he's a he's a fine play. I think. Yeah, compared to where you see some of the tackle totals for his contemporaries at edge rusher, that's not a bad tackle total. Um, and so even if maybe the sacks come down just a smidge because the finishing rate comes down, I do think he'll bring more pressures. I mean, only 67% of snaps on the year across 17 games played and 13 games started. I think he'll get more opportunity, but Jace is right. The question is, can he capitalize on that opportunity to then bring more pressures to the table? And so even if that finishing rate does fall, hopefully those two meet in the middle. And we still see somewhere between 8 and 12 sacks for Ojolari. Uh, but let's keep this rolling here, Jace, and wrap up uh, with our final mm-hmm. uh, division here for our final team for the NFC West, we are going to the Pacific Northwest and the Seattle Seahawks. And this first player, I'm glad you're bringing him up because we've heard a lot of buzz on this guy this offseason. Who's your first player? So, yeah, I'm going for a breakout here, uh, Cody Barton. Um, you know, everyone's talking about uh, what, what what can he do this year. Um, he must feel like he's won the lottery, right? I mean, he's uh, any fantasy managers who are sort of patient enough to to hold on to him through the last couple of years as well must be being free plays with themselves right now. Uh, he's just in a great spot to produce. Um, he's been very patient, uh, former third round pick, um, waiting behind uh, Wagner and um, Brooks for a couple of years now. Um, but with, with Wagner gone, you know, Barton is going to be the uh, the next man up. Um, now, you know, we, we saw how productive these two uh, off, off all linebacker spots were for the Seahawks last year. And, uh, Brooks and uh, Wagner, I think, both uh, recorded career highs in terms of tackles, and both were top 10 fantasy options at the position, helped in some part by the fact that Seahawks' defense couldn't get off the field. But, um, yeah, um, can Barton do the same? It's a, it's a bit of a stretch, maybe, to think sort of top 10, but it, it looks like he's going to be given every chance. So, yeah, you know, fantasy managers are expecting big things. He's, he's, uh, he's coming off the board as the linebacker 22 in some of the drafts I was looking at. Um, surprisingly, that's one spot. This one really surprised me, actually. One spot ahead of uh, Nick Bolton. You know, given the, uh, the, the, the fever around Nick Bolton, uh, that surprised me slightly. Um, but, yeah, I think, his, I think Barton's uh, label as a, a breakout candidate is justified. Um, looking forward to seeing what he can do. Uh, how about you guys? How are you feeling about, about Barton? And we always say, and this is true in offensive fantasy football as well, but opportunity is king. Mm-hmm. And it seems mm-hmm. like if there was ever a poster child for this mantra, it would be Cody Barton. Is he good? I, I don't know. Uh, but the opportunity and the role, I mean, inheriting that spot alongside Jordan Brooks in what has been probably at least top two or three most profitable linebacking groups for IDP, I mean – 
even if Cody Barton is not good, he's going to stumble backwards into probably a top 24 finish at worst, right? Yeah, I would think so, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, he played, uh, so last year he played 100% of the snaps the last two games, racked up 18 total tackles in that stretch. So, I mean, that's what he's going to do. I mean, he's 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 got a good shot at getting over 140 tackles. Um, and, yeah, like Jace mentioned, like people – People probably think this guy like some undrafted, uh, you know, no name. He was a third round pick. I mean, that's 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 decent draft capital, and he's and he's just now getting his, his opportunity. You know, before Brooks, uh, there was um, KJ Wright who was standing in his way. So um, it really has just now opened up for him. Uh, so Seattle is going to want to evaluate this guy too. Um, with his contract getting ready to come to a close. So, yeah, I mean, Cody Barton's going to have an opportunity this year. He's a solid tackler, and that's really all we're looking for in IDP. Chase, you mentioned uh, going off the board is LB22, I believe. In the, he can in the, easily, <laughs> easily finish ahead of that. So in the mocks or in the uh, best balls that we've been doing, probably the widest range of any player that I've seen, at least that we've looked at so far, going between – LB27 and LB56. I say that 56 wow. was very early on, right? Yes. We, so we've been doing these drafts since like, what, May? Probably May, yeah. Maybe, no, before okay. the, it was before the rookie draft. It is, and I think that Cody Barton speaks to um, really how, just how advanced the IDP community has gotten. I was going to say, Cody Barton, I feel like we're really sort of, leveling up as an IDP kind of, um, you know, faction in how we are looking at profitable roles and players stepping into mm-hmm. I, I don't know that the Cody Barton drum beat is as loud five to six years ago. No, no, but I mean, it's, it's just, not. it's just one of those deals. Like it's harder than ever to find sleepers just because there are so many, there's so many good resources out there for us in IDP, right? Like, um, Man, I remember Woolert was like banging the Barton drum like at the beginning of the summer, you know, Uh, and people are, you know, people take notice. Um, But yeah, it's it's just a little side note there. Yeah. Good job, community. Good job, guys. We did it. We've we've, uh, elevated. We got Cody up there. Yeah, we got Cody to the appropriate level. Good job, guys. Well, you you guys play a part in this as well. You know, it's uh, just sharing information in a way that, uh, you know, helps helps as many people as possible. Um, So, yeah, this uh, this this. This sort of part as well is uh, is instrumental in in doing things like that. So yeah, we we we've held bar, you've held bar with uh, with the things you do. So yeah, I mean, I don't I don't think he's a he's a he's a very special player. I'm not entirely sure. Um, he doesn't really have to be like you say. He just has to be on the field. Um, unless we're talking about all 22. Um, the defense, as I said earlier on, struggled to get off the field. So you know, he's he's, he's in a great spot to surpass you know a thousand snaps. Possibly a hundred tackles. He's just he's just got to stay healthy. But the same is true for all these players we talk about. They've all just got to stay healthy and get on the field. So, yeah. And I mean, how many special players are there, right? In IDP, there's like mm-hmm. maybe forty to fifty. Like, act, you know, if you're if you're really special, if you're a really special athlete, you're going to be playing offense for the most part. That's right. Yeah. And he, think about this too. One of our m- most kind of our crown jewels for IDP, Roquan Smith. Um, I mean, if you read the chatter from the insiders on Twitter, um, the other executives and GMs across the league looked at Roquan as a good player, but not someone they were going to give up significant draft capital to go acquire. 
Exactly. And same thing like a Devin White type. Exactly. You know, know? I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot of good candidates that, that are special out there. You know, I mean, I think the edge guys. Yes. That's the reason you're seeing the Chandler Jones and the Von Millers, even at their advanced age. Those are your special athletes on defense. Get these massive deals. But um, it is, that's why all 22 is such an interesting concept is because um, there's no good linebackers. That's right. You look at it and you're like, (laughs) oh my God. This is such a You're profitable so right. position for IDP, but it is a barren wasteland uh, for formats like All-22 where you have to look at how good are these players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, like you say, a real a real, um, it's a real dearth of, of decent off-ball linebackers that can do a little bit of everything. Um, I was thinking about this the other day. Linebackers that are, you know, I hate the word complete, but um, guys that can do a little bit of everything, it's probably... With confidence, only two. I'm going to digress a little bit here, but only two players I think that can do everything really well. Think about it, it's not a fantasy sense in real real football terms, but Leonard and, and Warner, I think, um, are probably two of the linebackers that can do everything well. Wagner um, probably still there as well, um, but yeah, it's 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 painful. It's painful. Yeah, and maybe Micah Parsons. I mean, yes. right? That's but that's that's really the list. Even yeah, but even but Micah Parsons is used as you know on the edge, and he's his own little thing. Yeah, they're not like trying to like mm-hmm. drop him in coverage for yeah. a bunch of snaps. You know, they want to get him off the edge and let him pin his ears back. Uh, yeah, but yeah. There's not. That's it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is. So it's it's a good job by us of. Um, just kind of not holding your nose because I don't think he's necessarily like an Alex Anzalone where this guy is just absolute trash as an NFL player, but he's in a role that maybe could produce for IDP. No, no, no. We're not saying that. Um, but a Cody Barton type is not going to be a name up in lights for His fantasy. Name's Cody Barton. Exactly. Right. Like he sounds like a <laughs> off brand Marvel character, uh, not someone that you're going to be excited to draft in IDP. Uh, that's another thing I think we brought to the table, Jace. We've helped elevate the importance of swaggy names sure. and dreads and oh, visors yeah. and tattoos. You've got to bring drip tattoos. to the equation, right? Um, oh, for sure. So (laughs) let's get to your last player here, and uh, we're going to wrap up with a new addition to the Seattle Seahawks. Who's your next guy? Yeah, so I've I've, I've named one guy, but really I could have chosen any of the players uh, at his position um, for this team. So I've gone with uh, Uchenna Wosu um, as a bust. Um, But as I said, could really extend to um, Boye Mafe, Dalal Taylor, uh, and any one of others, uh, the others that they've got there. So, Seahawks rotate edge rushers like uh, like no other team except maybe the uh, the Bills. Um, six or seven guys played between two hundred and five fifty snaps for the Seahawks last year, and these were snaps where these guys earned uh, earned these largely in the same games as each other, as opposed to just injury replacements. It's it's just a horrible spot for edge rushers in fantasy. Um, so. One or two of their stable of, uh, of sort of edge rushers will have a big performance in any given week. We saw uh, Darrell Taylor be that guy uh, for Stars last year and, and done that too. Um, but can you predict who's who's going to show up one week and who's going to show up the next? I, you know, good luck playing that guessing game. I, I do love Seahawks uh, edge rushers in best ball um, and or if we have big rosters and can afford to carry them. Um, but in any other formats, I, I tend to avoid them. Um, that's, again, uh, not to say that I, I dislike these guys uh, as individual players, um, 
in Rusu wasn't wasn't anything special for the Chargers. I, I had I had hopes he could replace Ingram, but he's 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 not really capable of consistently performing at that level. And in, in my opinion, twenty million over two years is a bit of an overpay. But uh, as always, I hope he proves me wrong. Taylor, you know, he had a good run last year, but again, sort of twenty percent finishing rate, not really um, holding out a huge amount of hope that he's going to be able to match that again. He'll um, you know either have to play more snaps or bring more pressure to maintain the value. Some uh, some afford him at the moment. And Marfe, you know, he looked great in that. Uh, you see him in that uh, first preseason game with a couple mm-hmm. of sacks and the full stumble. Um, yeah. You know, that performance will only add to the hype. Um, but I'm in, I'm in no hurry to pick him up at what, uh, what his cost currently is or what will now be. Um, in some ways, it's, it's just a frustrating landing spot for, uh, for him from a, a fantasy perspective. But, uh, you know, things change. Schemes don't stay static for, uh, for, a huge amount of time, so hopefully in the future um, he gets more of an opportunity than some of his uh, some of his contemporaries at that at that at that at that point. So yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, for me, Wosu, Marfe, Taylor, and any one of the other sort of three or four edge rushes they've got there, not really great value. Yeah, I know, Addy, when we had Greg Rosenthal on and we were previewing the top IDP free agents, he specifically wanted to bring up Uchina Nwosu. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, I'd love to get this guy on the Colts. This was before we brought in Ngakwe. And mm-hmm. he just landed, like Jay said, in a not ideal situation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the rotation stuff is definitely very true. Um, but Seattle plays a ton of snaps. Um, I think they're going to continue yep. to play a ton of snaps. So, I mean, yeah, the 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 we don't like them rotating. But I do think Uchina is the best piece on that line now. I'm a big fan. Um I just like his game, man. But you're right; they all those guys are kind of similar. Like Boye Mafe is kind of similar to Uchina, um, and then Daryl Taylor. I mean, they're they're all, you know, they don't seem that much different from each other. Um, but I'm just betting on the talent of Uchina. I, I think that uh, we saw a few times last year he went over 30 points, um, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm okay. Uh, with with where he's going in draft, I mean, if I'm looking at the best balls here, he was DL fifty one, DL fifty nine, DL sixty five, DL sixty, DL fifty one. I mean, I'll take that all day That's long. That's beautiful. Yeah, especially in best ball, like Jay said, love Uchina Nuosu but, there. I mean, you know, if we're talking MFL, um, any of these sites is going to have him listed as a linebacker yeah. RSO. I'm I'm going to be out on Uchina, but yeah. in sleeper, he's definitely very appealing to me. Absolutely. And if you're wondering what the rotation is, another nugget from John's uh, preseason week two takeaways article. It is Daryl Taylor, Uchina Nuosu, played the bulk of snaps together as starters and only came off for short stints while Alton Robinson and Boye Mafe entered the game when they came off the field. This group is expected to rotate fairly heavily, so Taylor and Nuosu are the only ones worth rostering in 2022, barring injury. I think that's spot on. Yeah. Heavy rotation, yep. but I'm with Addy. I think that Uchenna is the best of a so-so group. Yeah, it's going to be a rotation, but again, I do think he is. I mean, the the Alton Robinson and Boye Mafia, I mean, those guys are fine, but they, they're young, and it's it's just going to be, I think, Uchenna leading that pack. I agree. So if it, someone comes off, it's going to be Daryl Taylor, I think, for yeah. Boye Mafia. Yeah. Jace, I think if you're getting uh, Uchenna at the prices that Adam mentioned Will you take a, a stab, especially in a best ball type of format? Yeah, I don't think he's a horrible player by by any stretch. I mean, best ball, yeah, I'd be uh, I'd be I'd be loading up on 
on these guys. I don't know for sure, but it, it seems from a, sort of a, from a cursory glance, these guys that I don't play every uh, every snap. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to check in on this actually, make sure what I'm saying is true. But it seems to me that guys that don't play every snap um, and, and that do enter the uh, the game a little fresher than than, uh, than the other guys that are out there all the time and seem to have a higher finishing rate than uh, than, than others. But I'll. I'll uh, don't hold me to that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that and see if there is any merit or any truth behind that. But yeah, I, I I'd still be happy taking Anwosu uh, in in best ball certainly, uh, and any of those uh, you know Seahawks edge rushers because you know at least one or two of them uh, any week will have a big week. It's just um, it's just just trying to choose which one. But yeah, best ball takes away that problem, right? So just to hear some names that are going around him: um, Trayvon Walker, George Karloftis, Quinn Williams. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, Preston Smith. Would you prefer Uchina over any of those guys, or or, or what do you think? Carl Aftis stands out to me. I'm a bit of a, a fan. I'm quite hopeful about what he can do. Preston Smith, you know, he's a he's a weird one. He 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 sort of fell off the the edge of the I don't know. Uh, his his value took a massive hit. He just didn't do anything for about a year and a half, and then after like um, I have to look this up, but after like week eleven. Um, no, no player apart from Max Crosby. No player in the league had more pressures um, than Preston Smith. From he just again because he did nothing for the year and a half prior to that. Um, he's just completely forgotten about. Obviously, Zadarius Smith is now gone. So yeah, someone like Preston Smith does intrigue me, especially in best ball. Yeah. If he can carry over that form into this season, he's he's gonna he's gonna make some people very happy. Yeah, I yeah. was going to say that group sounds about right. That is that yeah. those are some contemporaries and he that and, would, and that's exactly how I am too. Like yeah. I think I might take Preston Brown or uh, Preston Smith over him. Preston Brown, we went to high school with that guy. <laughs> Don't take him. He's, He's bad a news. bad guy. Bad heart for bad sure. Bad guy sold me some bad stuff. <laughs> Bet he did. Oh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I think that is that is he's being valued appropriately. Sometimes we look and Jace, you've mentioned a couple of these guys and the names going around, I'm like wow, like I want the player we're talking about head and shoulders above some of these other guys. Um, but, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Uchina is being valued appropriately. I um, think the point, though, is like Preston Smith shouldn't be in the DL 50 no. range. Like both, like I think Uchina and Preston probably should be in that DL 35 to 40-ish range, right? Both those guys are valued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, it, again, I think what you're saying, Jace, is – for expectations, if you have high expectations for Yuchina Nuwosu for 2022, if you're penciling him in as your DL2, for example, you're probably going to be disappointed, and he's going to bust if that's where you're viewing him. Yeah, yeah. Again, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike him as a player. I had uh, years of watching him very closely as a, you know, a former Charger, etc. Um, and you know, he has come on a little bit in in, the, in his time in the league, so. I'm sure you know he'll 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 do pretty well for the Seahawks um, when he, when he gets on the field. I'm just my only question is you know how how often will that be um, compared to other guys that are going around him? But you know, like you say, best ball and uh, the, the range he's going in, um, there's there's much worse decisions to be made. Absolutely. Well, there you go, folks. Sixteen players, two from the eight teams in the NFC. 
uh, West and the NFC East. Addie, you would think we would learn our lesson. I told Jason, I'm going to try to keep it to like 90 minutes. And here we are cresting <laughs> the hour and 50 minute mark. Yeah. So hopefully works not too mad at me. I was going to say, uh, yeah, you're probably due back about an hour ago. So I know we said this is going to be a two parter, but uh, uh, at the risk of putting out a three and a half hour episode, we're going to go ahead and release this thing. And then we'll put out part two with Bobby and Trip a little bit later this week. So y'all look forward to that. We'll be hitting on the AFC East and the AFC West. Jace, thank you for coming on and coming uh, with the hot takes, the research, some of the nuggets you were dropping, man. If folks aren't following you yet uh, on Twitter and following your work, give them the details on where they can get the goodness this season. Okay, yes. I'm uh, too kind, by the way. Thank, thanks for the, uh, the kind words. People are going to be so disappointed when they actually follow me and see that I'm nowhere near as good as you just uh, made me out to be. But I, uh, I'm, I'm uh, writing for IDP guys and for DLF this year. I'll be doing the start sit for IDP, IDP guys again, um, where I go into a, a silly um, level of detail on every defensive player that's fantasy relevant. Um, uh, we're joined by one other guy over at Tidy P guys, Aaron Mabry, helping me out with this year. And then over at PFF, I'll be doing the waiver wire art- article, uh, the weekly waiver wire article this year as well. So it's not PFF, DLF, sorry. Um, I was like, you got so, promoted yeah. while you were doing the pod with I us. Know. <laughs> you unfollowed John and suddenly got his job. I love this. I love what's happening here. PFF on the brain. But yeah, I'll be doing the waiver wire article for DLF this year. So uh got some rankings over there as well so yep you'll find me in uh, in various places doing various things come along come along for the ride come along for the ride well thank you for coming along for the ride with us this afternoon jace we really appreciate the time hope you all have enjoyed this episode like we said we're going to go ahead and get this one out right now so look for that Hope you all enjoyed it and look for part two coming a little bit later this week with Dynasty Trip breaking down the AFC East and the AFC West. Next week, we have Gary Davenport, the godfather of IDP, on with John Macri talking my guys for the 2022 season. And then the week after that, that week leading up to the kickoff game uh, with the Rams and Bills, I believe it is, uh, we are going to be doing our flag plants. So look forward to seeing how poorly we do with those picks. But until next time, we will see you all soon. Take care. She ain't never left her hometown We gon' take a trip today Let me take you away We can take a trip to the West Coast Just so my hand don't let go All the funny things